Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, episode 27, covering WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night from October the 24th, 1992. And this show is brought to you in part by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. You can find each and every episode of this show over there by searching Retromania with a W. You can also find Hulkamania is Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude, my show Kicking Out at Two, which, by the way, got some new shows dropped. Uh, last week, we dropped Gimmick Cosplay, where Dennis Levy and I sat down, and I had him take the Gimmick Cosplay Challenge, where we, uh, we where, I, where I asked him which... Um, personas these individuals played over time in their wrestling career see how many of the personas he could have figured out so you could check that out over there on the retro mania pro wrestling podcast network this week we also have um WCW Halloween Havoc in Trading Places form. For those of you that are familiar with the Trading Places series on Kicking Out at 2, we take an event, we play role reversal with the results, and we try and map out the trajectories of those uh, the, those outcomes in the with the winners and losers in the storylines in a realistic fashion. We do go ahead and kind of go off the beaten path a little bit with a, uh, a fantasy booking um, kind of uh, you know uh, environment, but we try not to get too exaggerated with it. Um, so this week we do Halloween Havoc 1994. It was 25 years to the day. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, world title, steel cage, career match, main event. What if Ric Flair retired Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan was no longer a part of WCW? Find that out over at the, uh, the, the over in the links at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And then next week, we do a special watch party. Chris Donovan joined me recently to sit down and watch Halloween Havoc 1997, one of his favorite Halloween Havoc events. Uh, that, that show is highlighted by Age in the Cage, Hogan and Piper, DDP and Macho Man, Sudden Death, Las Vegas Street Fight. Uh, the, and then, of course, the match that's probably most synonymous with that event is Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Mask versus title um probably the greatest wcw cruiserweight match of all time we'll watch that that entire event there's a lot of shit on that show too that i didn't really realize now back then i thought it was a a a great halloween havoc but uh it it wasn't the best there was a lot of crap on that show so we 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 sit through that and we 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 try to get some laughs out of it and uh, you can find that next week on the retromania pro wrestling podcast network on podbean but like i said search retromania with a w in all podcast platforms Platforms available. You will find all of our shows there. Marking out the days, kicking out of two, Gaijin, Hulkamania is dead, Origins of Attitude, and all that bonus content over there. Um, you can also hit us up on social media, Retromania with a W over on Facebook, as well as our Twitter at Retromania Pod, Retromania with a W once again. Um, and you can uh, you, you can like, rate, review, whatever. You want to hit us up and shoot us a DM and tell us what we're doing good, what we're not doing good, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. Hit us up over there, Retromania. Uh, both on Twitter and on Facebook. Um, All right. Um, Before we get into the day, that is October the 24th, 1992, um, we do a thing here now uh, on on Weekend Warriors, um, a little, you know, full circle homage, so to speak, keeping up the theme with the war in wrestling. This show is the precursor to the Monday Night War um, with Saturday Night and Superstars uh, going on the same day. Um, We had the Monday Night Wars, of course, with Raw and Nitro. But um, 
Now we have on Wednesdays, we have AEW's Dynamite and WWE NXT. And a lot of wrestling fans out there like to call that the Wednesday Night War. Um, kind of going back a little bit full circle. And, uh, you know, I don't look at it as a war, but um, I- I'm enjoying both shows, watching both shows. Um, I think both shows are doing good. They're putting out quality wrestling. And Wednesday has been destination television for me. Um, so what we do here... Uh, for those of you that are new to to this show, or you know, for those of you that obviously follow this show, which we greatly appreciate, um, we have a segment we like called "One and Done," where we take something from what we watched on Wednesday. It could be, you know, from NXT. It could be from Dynamite. Uh, we take one thing, whether it was good or bad, something that stood out, and we kind of talk about it and discuss it a little bit. Not at great length, but you know, um, decent amount of time. Don't want to harp on it and kind of want to bring things back full circle to 1992. So we don't really stay totally on the current event topic. But um, this week, um, there there were a lot of things that I could have talked about when it comes to my one and done. Um, we could have talked. To, I, I could talk about the, the the great match between Kenny Omega and Joey Janela, which I really enjoyed. I could talk about that great segment with Cody and Jericho in the inner circle that led to that brawl on AEW. I could talk about um, the great match between um, Matt Riddle and uh, Cameron Grimes on NXT or the badass main event between uh, Roderick Strong, D- Dominic D- Dijakovic. I hate saying that because I know him as Dominic uh, Dijak. Um, and Keith Lee for the North American title on NXT. Or I could really talk about how much I enjoyed that Finn Balor heel turn and him attacking Johnny Gargano at the end of NXT the other night, which I didn't see coming. I could talk about all the great stuff, but I'm going to talk about something that really bothered the shit out of me this week. Something that, excuse me, um, really got under my skin. Um, and I'm talking about Private Party from AEW. Um, I think they suck plain and simple after watching them last week or this past week i should say take on the lucha brothers in that aew tag team title tournament match um i was just like holy shit like these guys are not elite you know you are all elite wrestling and if you are all elite wrestling then you need to back it up um and for the most part i think they have when it it comes to uh the in-ring action Uh, i really do um but these guys private party like you can see the flaws in their in their work and i have never been in a wrestling ring before i don't know how to work okay but um i could tell that these guys aren't ready for prime time uh judging by what i've been seeing and especially especially their match with the lucha brothers um first of all they look like they wrestle in their fucking pajamas okay like if you're gonna be elite like look elite you know look look like you belong You know, and this is my vision as a wrestling fan, not, you know, my vision through WWE eyes as some people would like to would like to make claim to recently. And, uh, you know, that's another story for another time. But um, as a wrestling fan, I feel like they just they don't look they don't look like they they belong in a ring, you know, Um, just just cosmetically speaking. Okay. they look like they wrestle in their pajamas. It takes them forever to set up their moves. Their their, their, their timing, I think, is off. Um, the the they do the same moves, whether it's the same Hurricane Rana or the same you know like Diamond Cutter like move. Um, there was one point in the match that really bugged the shit out of me. Um, Lucha Brothers set up one of the guys to then sit him on top of the other guy in like an electric chair type 
fashion and it took them forever to set the move up and then the two of them are just waiting there to get the move delivered to them i think it was a drop kick by uh, uh, phoenix or pentagon and i was just like jesus christ like this screams fake to me it just does okay um i think too that when it comes to their work like they could use a little more seasoning okay um now mind you in fairness okay they've never been on tv before all right they have been you know a, a, a name on the indie scene okay so this is their first time on tv so we're getting to see some of their flaws a little bit all right in all fairness i'll give them that okay but i just feel like i just feel like I don't know. I just I, I wasn't I wasn't impressed and I got a lot of crap for it from some guys in different wrestling discussion groups like, oh, they're new to TV and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I was I get that. But at the same time, like, you know, you're on a big platform like this, like you're on national television now. Um, it's, it, it, it's time to, you know, either nut up or shut the fuck up and get out if you can't do it. Now, I'm not saying that, like. I don't respect their passion and their creativity and some of their spots that they do. I just, it just doesn't connect with me and maybe over time it will. And I'll be honest with you. I was not a big Kenny Omega fan for a while. Okay. I didn't think the sun rise and set with him, but he's begun to grow on, grow on me as a performer. Okay. I was not the biggest young bucks fan. I'm still not totally in love with them. But I respect what they're doing for the industry by, by creating this organization and trying to, you know, give an alternative to, to, to wrestling fans. I do. And their, and their way of trying to stand out and make a name for themselves in the business and etch their, their mark in wrestling history, I have 100% respect for that. Um, some of their matches are, are exciting to watch and some of them are just downright like, you know, head scratchers. Like, what the hell? Like, the psychology is just not there. Um, but, um, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't a fan of them. They've become to grow on me. Maybe Private Party will do the same thing. I don't know. But I just wasn't, I wasn't a fan of the other night. I was just like kind of really disappointed watching them. You know, the, the setups with their spots took forever. The psychology just didn't make sense. It was all over the place. Now, there will be some people, especially the hardcore, diehard AEW fans that will defend it and say, um, if it's too, you know, if it's too choreographed, then it's a bad thing. Um, and I agree. If it is too choreographed, it's a bad thing. But in my opinion, also, if it's too choreographed and you can't execute the moves that you are choreographing or they come off sloppy, then that's a problem. And I think that's what the case was when it came to private party the other night was that they, they, they tried to cram too much of their shit in and it was too choreographed and it came off like way too overproduced okay um i had a conversation with an individual who um works um behind the scenes for impact wrestling he's he's a part of one of the the um the facebook groups i'm a part of i'm not going to say him by name because um you know i don't want you know any crap to fall his way but um he had said to me he goes he, he wrote i, I made a, a comment about this issue in the group, um, which I got a lot of crap for from some of those AEW diehards in this in this uh, group I'm a part of on Facebook, and um, you know, of course, it's my opinion, um, 
but uh, you know they, they didn't agree with it. They didn't like it, so therefore I got shit for it. Um, you know, go figure, right? That's what that's what that's what debating in so, on social media is like today. You can't have an opinion that's different from others, and then when you do, you get cheap shotted for it. So uh, that, that's the world we live in, unfortunately. And that's just not with wrestling. That's with anything in general. Um, you can't have a difference of opinion and just be like agree to disagree anymore. You got to get you know broken down and and beaten. Um, you know verbally by people so anyhow long story short this individual said to me he goes well you know i i i totally agree with your point and i get what you're saying he goes um you know, and I, and I and I look at things from a wrestling fan perspective, but I also look at things from a worker's perspective. And as a worker, he goes, I can see what you're saying, but he goes, um, they're on TV, they're fairly new, and also the veterans in the match, which were the Lucha Brothers, um, their English isn't the greatest. So therefore, there could have been some timing and some miscue issues with the communication because their English isn't the greatest. So I took that into consideration. Fair point. Um, but overall, um, I feel like, they need some more work. You know, they're, they're going to be a work in progress, at least in my opinion. And it might take me a while to, to become a fan of theirs or to enjoy watching their work. But I hope, and, and, and this is in all seriousness, I hope that, you know, over time they can get better. And I don't have to have conversations like this about them. Um, with who they work with, you know, maybe SCU, maybe some more matches with the Bucks. Um you know, who knows? But I just hope that um, over time they'll be able to get better and I won't be having these discussions. So that was my one and done this week. Um, a little bit at length, kind of went on a rant a little bit. Appreciate your patience as we, uh, we, we, we march towards October the 24th, 1992 and WWF Superstars. Let's get into it this week. Um, we open with uh, Mean Gene Oakland uh, on the interview platform introducing the Ultimate Maniacs, Macho Man Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior. And, uh, you know, crowd was pretty into it when they when they came out. Um, but um, this was just a typical interview between the two of these guys. Um, the same mumbo-jumbo you've been getting as they're talking about Survivor Series, the match that they have with Ric Flair and Razor Ramon, um, you know, Ultimate Warrior, um, Ends the interview by saying that your ultimate destiny is your ultimate defeat at Survivor Series. And that was the end of it. Crowd went crazy. And then, you know, we uh, we, we, we cut to uh, Vincent Perfect, uh, you know, in front of the green screen. Um uh, discussing that Survivor Series main event with Mr. Perfect talking about how Ric Flair is going to be a survivor and then claims that Ric Flair will also be a three-time WWF champion. So we're foreshadowing a rematch with Bret Hart for the WWF championship. Um, then they run down the card for today's show. Um, typical open here. No, nothing too special, nothing to write home about. But uh, once again, setting the tone, this is the head storyline on uh, in the WWF at that time between, you know, Flair and Razor against Perfect and uh, or, I'm sorry, against uh, Macho and Warrior. Eventually it would be Perfect. We'll get into that later another time. But um, we open with uh, Crush going one-on-one -on -one with Ken Johnson. Um, nothing, nothing we haven't seen here before. When it comes to squash matches from Crush, as a matter of fact, the commentary pays absolute zero attention to this match, um, which doesn't surprise me. Um, instead, they're discussing uh, Flair losing the WWF title and kind of Vince, you know, turning the knife in the back, so to speak, stirring the stirring the drink up, stirring the shit up. Excuse me. Um, between Flair and Perfect, you know, Flair uh, on commentary, you know, Vince is. 
Vince is, you know, like I said, stirring it up and, and perfect is indicating indicating that, you know, he advised Flair not to take this match. Flair was sick. He even mentioned something about Flair having um, some some ear issues, um, which I guess behind the scenes in real life, I've read this before and I've also heard it in interviews. Um, Flair dropped the title um I mean, mainly because Vince told him that he was losing the title to Brett, but also because he had some sort of like uh, some ear issues, not like an ear infection, but they call it like a um, like like balance issues. Um, your equilibrium's a little off, maybe vertigo. I think it is. I'm not sure. But anyhow, long story short, um, they're 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 really you know adding to the 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 seeds of dissension in within Flair's camp here between Perfect and Flair, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, Crush actually has a picture-in-picture promo during his own match um, where he discusses the Survivor Series main event. Very uh, very bland and very uh, um, a general blanket statement, I guess you could say. Um, and then he and then he, uh, he ends the interview by saying, Aloha, brother. Um, really emphasizing that he's from Hawaii. Because uh, the last few weeks he's been making that very clear that he's from Hawaii um, and that he is uh, he has found his roots, so to speak. And um, that was that. Yeah, uh, he eventually defeats Ken Johnson with his uh, his his cranium crusher submission hold to the head. Um, we go to commercial and come back, and it's the Natural Disasters coming out to face Tom Stone and Bill Jordan. Um, commentary uh, during this match. Uh, Hypes up the Survivor Series match with the Disasters and the Bushwhackers teaming up to take on Money Incorporated and the Beverly Brothers in a four-on-four Survivor Series elimination match. Um, Pretty much Disasters, they have their way with the heels uh, for most of this match. Um... Vince kind of goes back to the the referee issue on commentary. Mentions that the referee's... um, latitude regarding the action is getting out of hand with the disasters um like i said having their way with these guys the 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 frequent tags in and out um and then we get earthquake with the splash for the win and next week the natural disasters are going to defend their tag team titles against unnamed number one contenders um as we go to event center and we get a hacksaw jim duggan green screen promo um, who hasn't, you know, Hacksaw hasn't been around for a while on WWF TV. I'm not sure why. Maybe it was an injury. Um, but nonetheless, uh, he tells us that we have the right to exercise our vote, tough guy, as we are getting close to election in 1992. I believe this was a presidential election that year. I want to say, um, was it Bush and Clinton and maybe Ross Perot? I'm not 100% sure. But anyhow, um, he, uh, he talks about the, the, the right to vote. Um, and then we go to commercial and come back, and it's Nails making his way to the ring to face uh, Scott Zappa, who has no relation to Frank Zappa, the musician. Um, Nails uh, dumps him out of the ring and then asks for a microphone to call out the big boss man. Um, they've been doing this for several weeks, not only on Superstars, but on Wrestling Challenge, and boss man is nowhere to be found, um, which is interesting um, that they have kept these two so separate from each other since Nails' debut. Uh, Nails had that one attack. Bossman was gone for a while. Um, then he returned before SummerSlam, and they've just been keeping these two separate. I'm, I'm not sure why they did that at this time. Um, but um, they've been doing this this 
this angle where Nails just calls him out week after week and Bossman's not scheduled. And on commentary, the babyface commentator will say, oh, well, Bossman wasn't scheduled to be here. Nails knows he's not here. Why is he doing this? And it, it, 2019, Dave Rosenbooth looks at it like, wow, they've, they're making Bossman look pretty weak, almost like a chump. Like he can't take Nails' challenge. It's just, I don't know, it's rather strange. Um Basically, he says, if you got any guts, you're going to come out here right now, boss man. Um, and then uh, the, the, the digitizer that they use for his voice um, at one point during this seemed like it was running out of batteries or something because you can kind of hear his real voice like kind of breaking in and out. Um, and then uh, I guess the match was thrown out because on commentary, Vince announces that The Undertaker is next. And they go to commercial. And then they come back from commercial. Nails is still in the ring. And then we get the gong. And the Undertaker shows up. Um, and Nails looks like he's ready to fight. He's foaming at the mouth. He's got that nightstick. He's smacking the nightstick in his hands. Um, Undertaker gets in the ring. And the crowd was pretty into this, I will say. Um, and even as a fan, um, you know, I should say watching back, doing the review for the show, when I watched this the other day, uh, I was like, man, I was like, this is pretty good. Like, I almost forgot that Nails had stuff going on with the boss man. And I think that's, you know, that that that, that rings true because, like I said earlier, these two didn't go near each other. They weren't on TV. They weren't in the same segments. It was, it was strange. Like the 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 buildup for for Bossman and Nails, and you have Nails and Undertaker with this uh, this stare down here. Um, it was it, it like I said, it made you forget. Maybe it's because Bossman and Nails didn't have as much interaction on TV together. Even though that you know they would kind of alternate weeks of being in the in the arena together. Even though they taped superstars in the same arena, um, they would alternate. You know, uh, you know, Bossman would be on one week in action. Nails would be on the next week. Bossman would have an interview one week. Then Nails would have an interview the next week. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it, I got into it. I got into the stare down because, um, you know, as a young kid, um, I thought the Nails character was uh, intimidating, and um, I thought it was a, a solid character as a kid. Uh, twenty nineteen, it was okay. It was a little hokey, but you know, twenty nineteen me thinks that you know. Um, the, even the stare down with Undertaker was good stuff. This was right up Undertaker's alley. He was facing all the monsters and the giants over the years in the WWF, Kamala and Berserker and you know, eventually Giant Gonzalez and Yokozuna. But, um, you know, Nails was one of those wacky characters that was kind of right up Undertaker's alley when it comes to uh, the type of feuds he was in. So this was pretty cool. Um, Sergeant Slaughter, who is there to restore order uh, when it comes to the rulings of the referees, as he was hired by Jack Tunney, shows up at ringside. And this was pretty funny, too. If he's there to restore order, he should have gotten in the ring. Instead, he didn't get in the ring. He forced the referee to do his dirty work and break this little uh, stare down up between Nails and The Undertaker. And then he just left. <laughs> like, like, Sarge was too scared to even uh, um, get involved. He was like any good boss. Don't get your hands dirty. Make the guys that work under you do it. So, uh, um, overall, I thought that was a really good segment crowd was into it commentary really made it feel important um and uh it definitely foreshadowing you know post survivor series what we could see with undertaker and nails um then the bell rings and the uh the the, the heel jobber who uh who uh, doesn't have a name um 
tries to attack Undertaker from behind. Undertaker choke slams him with his coat still on, then delivers a tombstone for the win. Um, and then it's a body bag time for Jason Helton is his name. Um, didn't even get an intro or graphics. Poor guy. Uh, he's definitely getting buried. I mean, you know, if you don't get an intro or graphics for your name, then you, you, you're not you, you're not a mainstay on the show anymore. Um, as the replay shows, the stare down between the two, um, going into Event Center with Sean Mooney. Um, we got a Beverly Brothers screen, green screen promo. Um, basically, their promos have just been like the same ones recycled over and over and over again. And like I said last week, um, the genius doesn't have any more like witty rhymes. I think he, I think he, in 1992, he realized that I was going to take the dick sucking rhyme jokes a little too far in this show. <laughs> so he stopped, um, and basically allowed the Beverly brothers to talk for themselves, uh, in which they said that they can beat the bushwhackers. Um, but they want the tag team champions and, uh, they want the natural disaster. So another, another, um, team looking to take out the natural disasters for the tag team championship. Um, then we get a Bushwhackers green screen promo, um, as they're singing, Mary had a little lamb. Uh, and then they transition from that to school is back in session. Listen to your teachers and drink your milk. Um, yeah, coming from two guys who didn't look like they passed the third grade. Um, <laughs> uh, that, this was an interesting response. There was no response to the Beverly Brothers in their promo. Um, and it sounds like they took the uh, listen to your teachers and drink your milk vibe from uh, from an old Hulk Hogan promo. Uh, Luke does have ties with Hogan currently today as he owns a, uh, he owns a gym. And he's been one of those Hulk Hogan supporters over the years. So, uh, you know. Maybe that's where the relationship started back in 92. Who knows? Um, we go to commercial and come back, and Vince and Mr. Perfect are at the announce table, um, and they they announced to us that the Nasty Boys are going to face the Natural Disasters next week for the titles. Um, Nasty Boys are then uh, discussing how excited they are about facing the champs, and then they proclaim that they are going to be the champs once again. Now, mind you, in this promo, the Nasty Boys were without the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Keep a, keep a little note on that as, uh, as we get towards you know the, the end of this portion of Superstars. Um, just tuck it in your brain, back of the brain. It's it's important, at least in my opinion. Should be important to you if you if you follow along with the timeline here. Um, we then transition to the mother, Rick Martel, making his way to the ring in a raincoat, hat, and an umbrella, um, paying homage to Mary Poppins. Maybe I don't know. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen the model on WWF superstars. I don't know if there was an injury or if they just didn't have anything for him. Um, but um, he faces Butch Banks. Uh, and I thought this was a good showcase match for Martel. I felt like um, he got all his signature stuff in, and this was kind of like the start of like a little push for him because uh, he'd been gone for a while since SummerSlam. And, and then he comes back, and I, I just felt like the way the match was presented, even though it's a, a, a standard um, enhancement talent match, um, they really, on commentary and with Martel, went the extra mile to – showcase his abilities um so this looks like we're we're, we're seeing you know a, a push for martell of sorts is it a title match push who knows but i thought this was a, a pretty good display here from martell um we get an icro pro reference from vince in regards to martell's conditioning uh 
You know, still trying to make a dime on the way to federal court, huh, Vince? Yeah, I see how it is. Um, Martel gets to win with the Boston Crab. Uh, so we go to commercial, we come back, and it's the Survivor Series report with Jin Min. And Jin uh, runs down the card starting with the tag team main event. And we get a, we get a promo from uh, Flair, Ramon, and Mr. Perfect. And um, Razor Ramon says, You think a knee pad and some sunglasses going to protect you from the wrestling ability of Slick Rick and the sheer brutality of Razor Ramon? You got to be kidding me, man. And then Flair says, You know something, machismo? These boys don't understand that cowboy hats and paint ain't what life's all about. It's about the money. It's about being in the big time. And most of all, it's about surviving day to day. And nobody does it better than us. Woo! That was my best Ric Flair impression. It's pretty early in the morning. I really haven't had enough coffee yet. So um, maybe maybe, maybe I'll I'll belt out a Ric Flair impression on another day when I'm a little more energized recording this. where are we at here? Um, next, Gene hypes up the coffin match between Kamala and The Undertaker. And then he says next week there will be a visit to The Undertaker's workshop for Coffin Making 101. Interesting. Can't wait to, can't wait to see that. Uh, Natural Disasters and Bushwhackers versus Beverly Brothers and Money, Inc. Um, and, news, and, then, and then Gene says news that's sure to knock your socks off. Very 90s. Thanks, Gene. Um, as he announces the British Bulldog is going to defend the Intercontinental Championship against the Mountie. Interesting. Haven't seen, at least on the Superstars timeline, we haven't seen any interaction between these two. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this, this is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting development here. Uh, we get promos from both of these guys as the Mountie claims victory at Survivor Series and the Bulldog claims the Mountie will feel the shock up his spine from the power slam or from the fucking crack needle he's going to inject in his butt cheeks. <laughs> um... Or the eight ball of Coke. Who knows? Whatever Bulldog's got up his sleeve or down his trunks, he's going to give it to the Mountie. Um, <clears throat> then we get Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship announced for this pay-per-view. Um, they, these two have off and on had some issues on this superstar timeline. They've been building this up for quite some time. I want to say since WrestleMania, since we've been doing the, the, the Weekend Warriors concept here on Marking Out the Days, uh, they've, been, they've been slowly building to Brett and Sean, whether it was for the Intercontinental title or for the WWF title. Um, you know, we had the Intercontinental Championship ladder match on the, uh, that Coliseum home video exclusive that Kobe and I covered. We watched on the network. You can find that in the, uh, the, the, the bonus archive of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. It was Brett and Sean ladder match from July of 92. We watched that match. It was a great match to watch. Um, and it's and it goes along within this timeline. Like I said, they've been building to Brett and Sean um, for a long time on Superstars. And now we're finally going to get it. Uh, the first meeting between these two one-on-one in a major match for the WWF Championship at Survivor Series. Um we get a promo from from both guys. Uh, first, uh, Michaels and, and Sherry um, say that they want the finer things in life, which includes the WWF Championship. Um, and then Brett says, "Sean Michaels, are you going to be good enough 
to beat me for the WWF championship. I don't think so. And then Gene comes back and says, this promises to be the greatest Survivor Series in WWF history. Don't miss it. Call your local cable company or pay-per-view provider for more Survivor Series. November the 25th, 1992. Blah, 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 blah. Fucking blah. Yep. Um, Out next, Papa Shango set to face Victor Reed. Now, for those of you that listen to this show, do you really, really, really want me to give you an in-depth preview, a recap of this match between Papa Shango and this random enhancement talent? Yeah, I didn't think so either. Shoulder breaker for the win from Papa Shango. As we go to the event center with Sean Mooney, uh, we get a, a Skinner green screen promo. Last time we saw Skinner in a green screen promo, he threatened to slash Jack Tunney's tires with his with his Galligator knife. So uh, it looks like there was no uh, repercussions from the from those threats whatsoever. But in 2019, it'd be all over Facebook. I'll tell you that right now. Um, it's hunting season. It's my favorite time of the year. Everything is in season in the Everglades, and I'm the alligator hunting champion in the Everglades since I was seven years old. Time for Skinner to be a champion in the WWF. Okay, buddy. I'm sure Vince and Pat are going to get right on that. Little booking session poolside at the McMansion. Then we got a Tatanka green screen promo. And he thanks the fans, the little braves, the chiefs and the spirits. And then he says, which I found to be really creepy. And, you know, you can slide in our DMs to tell us if you feel this is creepy, too. Um, And if he's ever in the area of children, he wants to meet them at the Indian Reservation. (laughs) Didn't mention anything about the parents showing up. Didn't mention anything. Hey, parents, bring your kids. Um, So, yeah, I want to look into that. Um, we, we come back and Vince runs down the card for next week as we have the debut of Yokozuna. Tatanka will be in action along with Shawn Michaels. Special interview with Ric Flair and Razor Ramon and the tag team championship match as the natural disasters um, are then hyping up their match in a pre-tape promo. Then we get Jimmy Hart, um, Solo, who drops a huge bombshell that... It will be the natural disasters facing Money Incorporated instead of the Nasty Boys. Um, and then we end the show. Uh, I thought that was a nice little cliffhanger. And I, uh, I you know, it, 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 it makes you look forward to what you got next week with the tag team title match. And, you know, what are the Nasty Boys going to do now that they've been ousted by their own manager uh, for a tag team title opportunity? So, yeah, I thought that was a nice way to end Superstars. And uh, overall, I thought this was a good show. Um solid progression towards survivor series you had that undertaker nail stare down um and you know yeah i just thought overall this was this was a a, an enjoyable quick easy show to go through you know sometimes these 45 minutes edition of superstars are have been snooze fest at least for me i can't can't speak for kobe but um you know the superstars hasn't been on the winning side of our of our of our battle between them and saturday night here on weekend warriors but uh, this, this edition of superstars uh, could put them in in the in the winning uh, in the in the win column this week. So um, yeah, uh, overall I thought it was a good show, and I I, I really had no complaints over it. Um, all right, let's move on to 6:05 WTBS PM Eastern Standard Time WCW Saturday Night from Center Stage in Atlanta, Georgia. We open up 
with Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby Eaton taking on Ricky Steamboat and one half of the NWA WCW Unified Tag Team Champions, Dustin Rhodes. Um, I thought this was a pretty good match to open up the show. Um, these four guys don't disappoint. I've been talking about it for a long time on this program. Uh, they, they, they have great matches with each other. All four of these guys intertwined with one another. They got history within the, the storyline of the Dangerous Alliance taking out Steamboat. And, of course, having their issues with Dustin, excuse me. Uh, overall, I thought it was a, uh, a a pretty good match. Didn't get too slow at times. They kept up the fast-paced action to open up the show. The match ends with a uh, – it's pretty much like a no contest, I guess. Um, all four guys are just brawling. The referee can't keep control to get other referees to come out. And um, they really play up the um, – the, the, the factor of Barry Windham missing, once again, um, not involved with his team with Dustin Rose. Dustin had to go find another partner. Um, th- this storyline's pretty interesting. I'm really, I'm really digging it. Um, I don't remember it as a kid watching this in 1992, but um, looking back on it now, uh, I wish I did because I've really been enjoying this storyline. This has been built up pretty well. Um, we get a post-match promo from Michael Hayes after the match. Um, and he, and he brings up the Barry Windham factor, saying that Windham wouldn't sign a contract to face his boys, Eaton and Anderson. Um, and then he says that Williams and Gordy are going to have to look out for Eaton and Anderson to get a match. Um, so he's he's kind of foreshadowing a future showdown between those two teams. Uh, whether the titles are involved or not, that's a different story. Um, and then Dustin makes his way over to the set, and uh, he reiterates that there's no issues between him and Barry Windham. Um, and then he just he just gives Michael Hayes a nice right hand across the face. Crowd pops pretty big for that. Um, and it looks like we're we're continuing Dustin Rhodes's issues with Arn Anderson and Bobby Heaton through the the, uh, the the right hand to to Michael Hayes as we go to commercial. And we come back from commercial, and it's a Cactus Jack and Tony Atlas promo. Um, Cactus Jack says that uh, you know. They've been doubted since day one, and he believes that the Barbarian can defeat Ron Simmons to win the world title at tomorrow night's Halloween Havoc. Uh, We've been seeing in recent weeks the motivational vignettes with Cactus training Barbarian for this match, you know, dragging the truck in the the grassy field, um, getting hit over the back with a sledgehammer and a cinder block. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. Cactus Jack's been claiming to be his motivator, not his manager, and he's going to motivate Barbarian to defeat uh, Ron Simmons for the world title. I thought this... Even though I'm not a big Barbarian guy and, you know, this is what they threw at Ron Simmons, this has been some solid stuff. I really can't complain. Um, I wish I would have seen maybe a Rick Rude or a Vader involved instead because Barbarian just doesn't scream world title contender or even Cactus for that matter. But um, they've been doing a pretty solid job building this up. So uh, um, I thought this was uh, this was good stuff. Um, the Tony Atlas involvement, I think this was a last-minute thing. We've been talking about it a little bit, Kobe and I. Um, hence the reason why he's got his sweatpants tucked in his, uh, his, his boots and he took a Bic whiteout marker and he drew a, a, a skull and bones on his gym tank top. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, Atlas uh, contributes to this promo saying that he's been helping train Barbarian to be the toughest man in all of wrestling and that he knows Ron Simmons, but he knows Barbarian better, kind of indicating that, uh, you know, he's the, he's, the, he's the key to Barbarian's success over Ron Simmons. Um, which then leads us to Barbarian's match against Mike McReynolds, which standard Barbarian squash match we've seen every single week. Uh, nothing new here, just building him up for Ron Simmons. Barbarian wins with a big boot. Um to uh to to over mike mcreynolds we go to commercial uh we come back from commercial and it's a god-awful van hammer music video once again 
I don't know what to tell you here. Go watch it if you want, if you've got a few minutes to kill or a few brain cells to kill. Um, Van Hammer is the 1992 version of what I feel about Mojo Rowley. Um, he's fucking awful, plain and simple. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Kobe, Kobe hit the nail on the head. He was like a cross between Slash from Guns N' Roses and Sid Vicious, and but it just didn't connect. So, um, doesn't connect with me. He has a match with uh, JD Wolf and wins, and I really don't care. So, uh, you know, for those of you that were looking for an in depth um, Van Hammer recap, you're not going to get it from me. <laughs> okay, you're just not. Um, we go to commercial and we come back, and it's the Halloween Havoc Control Center with Jim Ross as they run down the entire card for Halloween Havoc. Um, we get a special challenge match for Keith Steamboat and Brian Pillman, World Tag Team titles with Dustin and Barry against Doc and Gordy. Lights out. Um, you know, spin the wheel, make the deal. Sting and Jake the Snake, Rick Rude, Masahiro Chono, six man tag with Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Michael Hayes against Johnny Gunn, Shane Douglas, and Marcus Bagwell. Um, Rick Rude and Masahiro Chono, I think I just said that. Rick Rude and Nikita Koloff. Um, yeah, pretty stacked card for 1992 for Halloween Havoc. Um, yeah, I, I they, they run down the card here, and then JR, you know, in front of the green screen, the Halloween Havoc Control Center green screen, um, talks to Jake Roberts about his match with Sting, and Jake Roberts plans on this being Sting's last match in wrestling. This war ain't over until it's until Sting is out of wrestling completely. He expects the worst in this match to take place um, upon Sting. Uh, solid promo, nothing really to write home about. Jake's, you know, a big promo guy. His psychology is there, but in this instance, it was just very bland. Um, but... You know, the, 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 the angle leading into this match has been pretty good so far. So, I mean, this little bump in the road, I guess you could say, it didn't hit the nail on the head or it was it didn't hit a home run, I should say. But, um, you know, it was it, it was what it was. Um, then Jr. talks to Rick Rude um, as he's sure to make history, defeating two greats, becoming the NWA world champion over Masachono and retaining his U.S. title over Nikita Koloff. Um, he brings up a, he, he kind of does the two-sport reference. Um, at that time, Bo Jackson was a two-sport athlete playing for uh, the NFL's Raiders and the Kansas City Royals baseball team, as well as Deion Sanders playing for the Braves and the Falcons, um, another two-sport athlete. He says, um, I'm going to go where, uh, where, where Bo don't know, and I'm going to be neon like Dion, or he said something about Neon, like Dion, who's a peon or something like that. I'm going to make Neon Dion look like a peon. Um, and then JR talks with Ron Simmons for a little bit. He discusses his match with Barbarian. Uh, he brings up the Cactus Jack factor being outside interference, maybe. Um, but, you know, typical babyface promo for him. Nothing to really write home about. Um, we go to commercial and come back. And it is Tex Slashinger and Shanghai Pierce defeating Joey Mags and Jeff Daniels. Uh, you know, uh, Pierce and, um, and Slashinger are were once known as the Godwins in the WWF in later years, Mark Canterbury and Dennis Knight. Um, typical, typical squash match here. They just kind of, you know, they're, they're roughhouse style. Um, you know, they, they bring to to this match over Mags and Daniels. They're, they're like WCW's version of the nasty boys. These like just rough and tough brawlers, you know, take no shit from nobody kind of guys. They kind of have the Southern vibe to it with the cowboy theme and, you know, Canterbury wearing the mask and slash, you know, uh, um, uh, Dennis Knight wearing a cowboy hat with the cowbell. Um, I thought it was solid stuff, you know, kind of building them up in, in, in as contenders in the tag team division. It was, it was okay. 
Um, they get the win here, and then we get a um, we, we go to we go to commercial and we get a, a promo from uh, Paul Lee dangerously, who is with a new member of the Dangerous Alliance known as the Masked Intruder. Um, Dangerously says that there is peace and unity within the Dangerous Alliance. However, Bill Watts is trying to cause issues between himself and WCW United States Champion Ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, he then proclaims he's going to make Bill Watts watch his son Eric's career come to an end tonight, courtesy of the masked intruder, which then leads us to the match between the two. Um, and this time around, unfortunately, the masked intruder did not end the career of Eric Watts. Boo hoo. Um, Watts won the match with a fireman's carry slam. And then we get a, uh, a, a post-match interview conducted by JR with Paulie Dangerously. And he's livid. He's hot. That Bill Watts is trying to ruin his life. Um, Medusa then shows up and she apologizes to Dangerously for what has occurred. And Dangerously then says there's unity within the Dangerous Alliance. You see that? Medusa's here for us. Um, but then Medusa kind of changes the tone a little bit and she wants to know why dangerously didn't have didn't show up for the two meetings that she and Rick Rude asked for as we go back to the week prior when dangerously had that up close interview with Shivani and we kind of saw some dissension in the dangerous alliance between dangerously Rude and Medusa um she wants the meeting with Dangerously, and she wants it right now. And she says, Rick Rude's here to have that interview. Um, Dangerously says, okay, you can have that meeting right now. But I have another meeting in five minutes. So after that, I'll get in contact with you. And then he storms off. Uh, Medusa's not happy with that. And she notes that Dangerously always does this and is never good on his word. Um... We then go to commercial, we come back, and Jim Ross and Teddy Long are hyping up both uh, title matches at Halloween Havoc, heavyweight title matches. Um, he's worried about Cactus Jack being an issue in the Ron Simmons-Barbarian match. And then uh, he kind of changes gears and discusses the Rick Rude-Masahiro Chono match and ponders who's going to be the referees on both for both guys, because both guys get to choose a referee for the match, so... As stipulated by Bill Watts on last week's show, um, so he's hyping up those two heavyweight championship matches going into you know that the following evening's Halloween Havoc, and then we get to the debut of Johnny Gunn in WCW as he wins with a a Luthez press over Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, and um, it was fairly evident that uh, nobody gave a shit about Johnny Gunn's debut uh, by the by the crowd reaction. It was it was a uh, it was it was a popcorn match. Um, Johnny Gunn would go on to become Salvatore Sincere in the WWF. Uh, then he would you know go under his moniker, his real name, Tom Brandy, and then eventually he would. Uh, I think he still wrestles the indie scene as the Patriot. I believe he bought the Patriot gimmick from Del Wilkes and the rights to it, and he wrestles as the Patriot. Um, in some little gym in Paducah, Kentucky, or wherever the fuck. Um, but yeah, that's Johnny Gunn for you. And as uh, you know, we go to the, uh, the the highlights of Gunn's victory. We then get a uh, a um, screened uh, a caption across the screen uh, regarding the King of Cable tournament, and we will find out the details on next week's WCW Saturday Night uh, going into commercial. And then we come back, and it's up close with Nikita Koloff. Con interview conducted by Tony Schiavone, and I kind of dug these little interviews. They were pre-taped. They were, you know, two guys, the two of them sitting in the in the stands in the arena. Um, kind of had a pro sports feel to it. We've been talking about it on the show a little bit. Bill Watts kind of brings that pro sports. 
sports feel to the wrestling program, more athletic presentation than the sports entertainment of WWF on the other channel. Um, so I thought this was pretty good stuff. Um, Nikita Koloff uh, talks about being focused on becoming the WCW United States champion instead of becoming the world champion because he talks about um, learning what the United States stood for and that being freedom. And he wants to represent the United States by being its champion in WCW. Um, he talks about never thinking that he would own his own gym or have a family here in, the, in this country. He thinks freedom is the most important thing. Um, really playing up the, 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 the immigrant that you know came from the bottom and, and made it to the top um, in the United States from another country. I thought that was a pretty solid approach um, f for his character at this time in 1992. He talks about the issues between Rude and Dangerously and how um, the contracts the contract has been signed. He expects Rude to show up, uh, which you know leave that mental note in your head because um, it's it's very important later on in this in this the, the the trajectory of this story and just within our timeline here. Um, then he talks about the the friendship he's developed with Dusty Rhodes over the years and overcoming a lot. And um, he wants the he wants the wrestling fans to be optimistic about his victory or his potential victory with the winning the United States champion at, championship at Halloween Havoc tomorrow night. I'm stumbling over my words here. I apologize. Um, I thought this was a good segment. Like I said, the the up close, the sports feel, it just it, it made sense. I thought it was I thought it was presented pretty well. Um, we go to uh, uh, a spin the wheel, make the deal graphic as they highlight the matches that are going to be on this wheel. We have Texas Death Match, we have Cage Match, First Blood, Chain Match, Coal Miner's Glove Match, Wink Wink Nudge Nudge. Uh, we have all kinds of great matches to choose from, and they picked. A shitty match to choose from for Jake the Snake and Sting at Halloween Havoc. Spoiler alert, um, it's a bad one, and we're probably going to cover it fairly soon um, here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. So be on the lookout for that over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, glove up, if you will. Uh, it's going to get dirty. <laughs> uh, we go to a commercial, we come back, and it's ravishing Rick Rude defeating Eddie Desmond. Uh, standard uh, Rick Rude squash match here. Nothing to really write home about. Gets all the signature stuff in, poses, calls everyone fat pigs, and gyrates his hips and kisses and Rude awakening, and one, two, three, it's all over. And ravishing Rick Rude is your winner and still the United States champion, even though the championship wasn't on the line. And then we get an interview with him conducted by Jim Ross uh, Medusa's with him and uh, we, we get more seeds of dissension between him and Dangerously Rude says that Dangerously made a huge mistake signing that contract and then he asks Medusa if she got the situation taken care of um, Medusa promises that she did the best that she could uh, Rude wasn't really too thrilled with that answer and he says that he's going to have to get it done himself he thinks that WCW and NWA officials are, are out to get him and on the surface you, when you when you follow this story you would think that that's the case. Um, you would think that Rude's the babyface here and management is trying to, you know, stick the knife to him. Um, but this is 1992 and uh, this is Bill Watts and this is WCW and some of this stuff doesn't make sense. So there you go. Um, and then Nikita Koloff comes out and says that, you know, Paulie signed that deal. So this match is going to happen. This match with me comes first. And he tells him that uh, you may be coming into Halloween Havoc with the United States Championship, but you're not leaving Halloween Havoc with the United States Championship. Um, 
And then Rude talks about, you know, Rude replies back that he's going to keep that title and win the NWA title and make history um, as we close out that segment. That was a pretty good segment. I like the, the the hype for it. Those two guys have history with each other in this timeline. They've had some matches on other programmings like Worldwide and even some live event matches. So um, I thought this was some good stuff between the two of them, kind of uh, recapping what they've been through and as we head into um, – as we head into Halloween Havoc here. Um, we then go to commercial. We come back, and it's an interview JR is conducting with stunning Steve Austin. Um, they talk about Shane Douglas. Stunning Steve's going to wrestle Shane Douglas. They talk about Shane Douglas um, you know, taking out Brian Pillman with a belly-to-belly suplex. And as we've seen, Pillman and Austin just started this you know, newly found friendship tag team partnership. Um, Pillman, you know... Not a member of the Dangerous Alliance. Austin still is, but Austin's kind of got this thing going on with Pillman here. Um, Austin talks, you know, puts himself over saying he's the world's greatest athlete. Um, he's on a roll with Pillman since Pillman's had this attitude change. The two of them together can make an awesome tag team. Um, he's going to show Shane Douglas tonight what he's all about. Um, and then we transition to this match, this main event here. Um, this match was rather slow for me, too slow. As a matter of fact, I expected a, a higher, faster-paced match between the two. Didn't happen, but, um, you know, uh, a lot of stalling, a lot of, uh, you know, um, you know, hammerlock work, which was pretty boring, if you ask me. Um, didn't really hold my interest. Um, I'm sure these two could have had a better match. Uh, I'll say that. Um, they just, I, I feel like they got saddled with a, a, a slow-paced match here. Um, Douglas did pick up the win, and um, Pillman comes in after the match and uh, tries for a post-match attack. Um, and then uh, Douglas counters with a... Um, with a couple of drop kicks to Pillman and Austin and escaping the ring with a victory. Um, we go to commercial, we come back, and there's a pre-tape for Marcus Bagwell um, discussing his match with Vinny Vegas on next week's show of WCW Saturday night. And, uh, you know, Vegas legitimately broke his nose in a match prior. So Bagwell sporting the tape over his nose, and you could see his eyes, got some bags under his eyes. Um, so they're, they're, they're kind of playing off the broken nose thing, which I think was pretty cool. Um, Bagwell in Vegas, um, like I said, having some some minor history recently, um, is is one of the featured bouts for next week. So I thought the the hype for that was pretty good. And then we close the show with a promo from Cactus Jack and Tony Atlas, um, Jr. conducting the interview on you know on set once again in the studio. Um, Cactus Jack says that Ron Simmons should concern himself with getting sleep tonight, knowing what the barbarian is pre- prepared to do to him tomorrow. Halloween havoc. Um, and then the interview kind of goes a, a, an uncomfortable route, at least currently today in 2019. Um, as Tony Atlas kind of brings race into it and, 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 uh, some racial overtones and stereotypes. Uh, he chimes in and says that Ron Simmons should be shining shoes or picking cotton, which I was like, holy cow. Like I was, I was astonished that, you know, that, that, that they even let that make air. Um, and then he suggests that Simmons should be a slave, which like, he just like makes it even worse. I was like, Oh my God, what the heck? Um, Robbie Walker comes out who's been, you know, Featured recently on TV, he was tagging with Tom Zink um, to confront Tony Atlas, and uh, Cactus Jack intervenes and says this doesn't concern him. And then Walker goes the race route and says, um, 
that Cactus Jack isn't black enough to be concerned with this issue, um, which then leads to um, Atlas and Cactus Jack beating up Bobby Walker to close this show. Um, yeah, that was a little uncomfortable. Um going the race route here in 1992 and a little spoiler alert um apparently it was so bad that um turner executives uh forced wcw to edit a lot of that footage or at least the the commentary from atlas in that promo on the following week's show so uh when we recap uh you know uh marking out the day's weekend warriors next week especially the the, the 10 31 92 episode of saturday night um We'll get into more of that next week, but uh, it, it will be heavily edited because from what I've been reading in my research, Turner executives were none too pleased that this went down. So there you have it. That was the end of um, WCW Saturday Night. Overall, uh, a solid episode, uh, fun show, but um, if I'm going to pick one that won this week, I think WCW did slightly because they were heading into a pay-per-view the night after and there was a little more importance to the show with Rick Rude and the Jake the Snake angle and then the Dangerous Alliance and everything else that happened with it. I'm going to say WCW wins with, um, you know, just barely over WWF superstars for October the 24th, 1992. And that about does it this week. Um, thank you all for bearing with me. I'm flying solo once again. Uh, Kobe will be back next week as we recap the October 31st, 1992 episodes of Superstars and Saturday night. Don't forget, Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. Hit us up. If you can find all the archive shows of Weekend Warriors, Hulkamania is Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Kicking Out at Two, and Origins of Attitude. You can find all those shows there. Any podcast po- platform available, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, search Retro Mania with a W. You'll find all those shows there. Hit us up on social media, Retro Mania on Facebook, Retro with a W, as well as on Twitter, at Retro Mania Pod, Retro Mania with a W, of course. And you can uh, slide in our dms you can give us feedback you can late rate like review whatever whatever you like to do let us know what we're doing good what we're doing bad what you would like to see what you don't want to see over on our social medias you can hit us up all over there and uh i think it's about that time that we put this show to bed it's time to go and uh hope you all uh hope you all enjoy your weekend and uh we'll see you next week <laughs>